Jeremy National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast today. John Velez, a guy that I just met 20 minutes ago, but he caught my eye on social media. You know, I dwell in the channels of Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, and I'm always looking at what's next, what's new, what's different. Um, A lot of firefighter podcasts are popping up all over, and I think it's fantastic. A lot of people ask me, oh, my God, another podcast? What do you think? I'm like, I think it's great. I think that if people are willing to put the time in and want to progress this job by having conversations about it, hell yeah. And, uh, John, you are no exception to that, man. So, John Velez from the Tailboard Misfit Podcast. Brother, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, man, I'm honored to be here. Appreciate the invitation. Uh, Just looking forward to having a really good conversation. That's what it's all about, right? I, I end every podcast by saying, do me a favor, take this back to the firehouse and talk about it. Because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. And what I mean by that is obviously talking about it, but it's the fact that we want to talk about it. The fact that I'm trying to entice people and encourage people to say, hey, when we're sitting at the table, we don't need to talk about football all the time. We don't need to talk about everything else other than the job. We can also talk about firefighting. We're firemen. And, like, to me, there's times in my firehouse when I'm like, do you guys even talk about firefighting today? Like, have we even talked about, like, anything that – could make us a little bit better or find a find a piece of a, a little nugget or, or a piece of information or knowledge we didn't know before, but just through a simple conversation, we were like, oh, that makes sense now, right? Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that, man? Break yeah, that so down for me. One of the non-negotiables on our crew is we we're going to have at least one conversation. If it's a busy day, we don't get to go out and actually participate in training. We're going to at least have one conversation about the fire service, about tactics, about something that we're going to do. Our favorite place to do it is a picnic table out front. Awesome. Uh, I, I love the fire station I work for or work at. Uh, it's almost 100 years old, so uh, very nostalgic. Uh, it's super cool. we got the poles and everything, but we have a picnic table out front. And that's where a lot of uh, the, the fire department and fire service problems are solved is right there at that picnic table. Uh, in the evening times, that picnic table is our kitchen table. And Who's so, the leader? Who's the leader of this conversation? Is it the company officer or is it a senior man or is it just anybody in that crew that's like, hey, let's take 10 minutes outside? Right. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to work around some very plugged in firemen and it, it could be any one of us. Uh, I'm the least tenured person on my crew with the exception of getting swung in an apprentice or a rookie. Uh, and it could come from me and or it could come all the way from the battalion chief. And so, like I said, I'm very fortunate and it could be started by any of us. Um, and a lot of times, like we just know, like, it happens organically. It's not yeah. something that we're like, hey, it's 930. We didn't talk about anything today. Like, we need to get out there and talk. Uh, it just kind of happens. So I'm making a note right now because I always look for the title of the podcast, and I think you might have just hit it. I just wrote down organic, not forced. Yeah. There's something exactly to that, right? Yeah. Talk, let's explore that, man, because – I've never heard it put that way before, but you can, when you're in good firehouses and good companies and guys, when you have a a crew or department that's dialed in, it's all organic. It just happens. It just flows. You're not forcing it. And when it's forced, that tells me there's a, a, a culture that's lacking. That tells me there's priorities that are other than what the main mission is. And it also tells me then that I have to work at it. And when we have to work at things and it doesn't come natural and organic, it typically is a stress point, right? Right, and you can't you can't force it. And like I said, it is a non-negotiable for us, and we've set that uh, standard, if you will, for our crew. Uh, but I don't think we've ever had to 
you know, before we lay down at be- in bed at night, think like, oh, man, we haven't talked about anything fire-related today. And so, uh, like I said, I, I, I'm fortunate. All the guys I work with are plugged in. They attend classes. They're watching podcasts. They're watching training videos. They're attending trainings. And so even in our group message when we're away from work, like it's nothing for us to send each other an Instagram video, a YouTube video, yeah. like, hey, guys, check this out. Or Love that. we should try this uh, next shift or something like that. And so and, and there's a lot of times breakfast time, right? Like we're already starting to talk about this, that, or another when it comes to fire service or tactics or whatever that's i mean that's huge but have you always been in a dialed company because a dialed in company because here's the problem right so many people listen to this podcast and they're like oh you always have these great guys on there and they come from all these great departments and i'm like well there might be something to that first off right all stars aren't going to come from crappy places they're going to find their way to good houses good companies good departments but if you are stuck they're looking for something more. And sometimes guys can't find more where they are. So have you had that struggle before finding oh. your home today? Yeah, 100%, Jeremy. I'm, I'll tell you this. You kind of said something that, that hit my mind. And one of my favorite quotes ever comes from Nick Saban. And Nick mm. Saban said, uh, the reason why you're not performing well is because uh, mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like don't mediocre, like mediocre people. people. Yeah. Right. And so I have been very fortunate at my current department to be on the same crew practically the whole time uh we have this travel pool and i was traveling out of that same station with the same crew and there's been some moving parts and everything but for the most part due to leadership i've had the same battalion chief and same captain and uh the same other firefighter on my shift the entire time our drivers kind of have moved around and promoted and everything like that but where i started at um you know i loved that department it was very awesome to work with i worked with a bunch of you know awesome guys um, but it was a different department, smaller department. And yeah. I just kind of describe it as like, we didn't know what we didn't know. And to the mm. point of when I got hired in, in Longview, like I almost felt guilty. And I've said this before, like I almost felt guilty to even say that I was a fireman coming from where I came from just because my mind was blown. Like, um, just for example, I didn't even know that classes were a thing. Like the most I knew it was that FDIC was a thing. And then down here in Texas, we have Teeks, you know, their their annual fire school. And other than that, I had no clue. And I get hired here and introduced to National Fire Radio, uh, the weekly scrap. And I'm just like mind blown at all of this stuff. And so, um, you know, where I came from, it was very much like I'm going to work to hang out with the boys and we're going to we're going to have a great time and we're going to respond to calls, you know, when they come in. Um, we trained a little bit, uh, and the training we did do, like, it's not comparable to what I do today. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because at least they're out there doing stuff, but it just came from a point of like, we didn't know what we didn't know. And, uh, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. You know, I know, I know a lot of guys, right. I know a lot of guys that are, when I have the conversations with them, when I meet them at a conference or something, there's a lot of guys that are like, this is my first conference. I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't understand outside of my own department there were other opportunities and that there was this movement. And I've talked about it on some other podcasts, and I just want to reiterate it. Like, years ago, it used to be this, like, subculture in the fire service that wanted more to be better. And I think what we've been able to do, especially with social media, has been able to bring that subculture forward. And we've made it now in the forefront for firefighters all over the country to find outlets more so than just their zip code because their zip code might suck. 
They might come from a place that just does not promote firemanship, does not want to build each other up. And if they're if they if they don't have that culture there, the only other place they can find that is outside their borders. And we need to give them those opportunities. So what I meet guys and what you just said resonates because I hear it from people all the time. I was lost until I found this. I didn't know this existed until I found it. And now that I found it, I can't get enough of it. That's huge, man. We have an obligation to share this with the fire service. Yeah. And I'll tell you, Jeremy, like even like I would consider my department a great department. Like we don't really have um, a culture problem. Sure. We have micro uh, culture problems and everything. Everybody has, but yeah, for the most part, like I work with a bunch of squared away into the job firemen. And even though I have that and I'm uh, surrounded by those guys, even going to these other conferences, like still, like I just feel refreshed when I come back. Right. Because not everyone may feel the same way that I feel about about the job and might not be willing to put in the time or to spend time away from family or spend the money or whatever the case may be to go out to these classes. And they're still great firemen. Yeah. But I get out and then I get around the guys like like yourself and other people that actually attend these conferences. And man, it's, it makes you feel good. It gives you a little bit of affirmation. Well, it does give you that affirmation. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's important. And don't get me wrong. There are plenty of incredible firefighters that have an upbeat attitude about themselves that don't care about anything else other than what they do from nine to five or, or on their 24 or in their volunteer house. And that's okay too. There's nobody faulting that. What I'm saying is, is the people that are seeking more, a lot of times people are seeking more because they just can't get it at home. And so when they go out and start to wander and they start to look around and they find something a little bit different or exciting, it's exciting to them because they didn't know it existed before. And, and so I don't want this to come off as like everybody needs to be into this, you know, culture of podcasts and conferences and extra training. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is let's provide those opportunities and make people aware those opportunities exist in case they personally want to go after it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I told I was talking to a, a couple of guys and I was telling them, like, I so I, I had a tr- I had a lot of trouble when I first started, and, and I have an obsessive personality. Like when I'm into something, like I'm 100% in, and it drives yeah. my wife crazy. Uh, you know, she's probably in there like making fun of me doing this podcast right now, right? Like Good. anytime I Let come out talk. to do one. So uh, I do. I have an obsessive personality, and so when I found what I would consider this new fire service for me, yeah, I was all in. And so, mm-hmm. like, I've started going to classes and conferences, and, like, I have more this year than I had last year. And, and I had this attitude towards, towards some guys that was like, man, you don't care about the job as much as I do. Like, you're a slug. Don't talk to me. And I did. And that, I struggled with it a lot. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I went to, um, I went to the Mile High, uh, in Denver fire conference, and we were listening to, and I'll give him all the credit, we were listening to The, the Standard and um, – I don't know how to say his last name, but his first name's Craig, and he's from that area. Hey. And there was a little Q&A session going on, and one of the guys was asking, like, how do you deal with those people? And uh, he told him, he was like, well, do you, and I think the, the term he actually used was shitbag. is like, how do we deal with these shitbags in the fire service? And he's like, well, let me ask you this question. He's like, do you think his wife thinks he's a shitbag? Right. Like, do you think his kids think he's that? And I was just like, I was very convicted, right? And the guy even said in the question was like, when he shows up to, to jobs, like he does his job just fine. Like he performs well. And I was just like, Oh man, like yep. I need to go home and think about that for a minute. And uh, since then, like, it was just like, um, 
eye opener for me and having to figure out ways to pull things from those people. And, and then, you know, I have, and they can teach, teach you things. You make a very, very good point. That is, that needs to be talked about more. Mm-hmm. I often say, or I say it all the time. If you hold people to the same expectations you have for yourself, you're often, you'll be often disappointed. Mm-hmm. People disappoint all the time because when you hold them to the standards that you hold near and dear to who you are, their standards will be different. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and you might be a slug compared to somebody else, right? Somebody that's on the next level. And so the thing is this, it's like, do they do their job? Well, are they a good person? Maybe they're not into all the extras and that's okay. That's okay. Right. But even for you, you said it, you've learned how to find ways to connect and maybe push them to give a little bit more. Maybe they don't know they want a little bit more. Right. And mm-hmm. so we need facilitators. We need people that can entice the conversation that could push people to give a little bit more or to care just a little bit more. I think we have the ability to do that. And a lot of that is salesmanship and it's a, it's a learned trade. It's yeah, a learned I trade. I think like another big deal of it is, uh, you know, I know we're going to get to it, but like just leadership in general and, uh, leading from anywhere. It doesn't matter what, what position or where you're at the top of the list or the bottom of the list. Uh, it's all leadership principles, right? And mm-hmm. so I was reading a book one day and uh, it showed me, it, it said, uh, the reason why we need to be a little less hard on our leadership is because we judge ourselves based off our intentions, but we judge other people based off their actions, right? Mm-hmm. And so I could tell you this right now, that there's plenty of days where I have a list of things that I need to get done and I miss the mark. And All those day people long. might be doing the exact same thing. You know what I mean? Like, so I was just like, I know it. I live it. Are you kidding me? My plate is so full. If I can get to a quarter of it today, I'm, I feel like I've done something, but yeah, every single day I let myself down. There's no doubt. Right. But it's, right. how do you bounce back from that? How well, do you find that balance? Right. And so mm-hmm. on. And that's the thing it's, we're holding ourselves to these unbelievable expectations. And I agree with you too, in leadership, there's there's the other side of the coin to what you're talking about too, and it's the fact that it's always easier to just point the finger and blame upward. Right, and it is. And uh, I have uh, I didn't figure all this out on my own, so let me throw that out there right now. Please it's, talk about it. Yeah, I I am a John Maxwell nut, and if you don't know mm-hmm. who Doctor John C. Max, mm-hmm. I think he's a doctor. John C. Maxwell is. You should look him up. His leadership podcast, every book he has, like it's great. And then. Uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel, and he's out of like the Tulsa area. And both yeah. of those guys, uh, if, if you're kind of curious about leadership, I would tell you start with Craig uh, because his podcasts are 20, 25 minutes long, right? And you can catch one of those on the drive into work. And sure. they're awesome. Um, so everything that I've learned from that, uh, you know, formally, I would say, or from their books or from their podcast. And whenever we are in a position where we're judging our leaders, whether it be a company officer, battalion chief, or chiefs, like a lot of times we have to get the full picture, right? And everyone talks about the mile high view. And there's a lot of times me as a tailboard don't get that view. And I couldn't even fathom what those guys are dealing with. And I don't want to either, honestly. Yep, I get uh, it. But you have to put yourself in their shoes and be able to look at the big picture, right? Uh, to quote Jocko, you have to be able to, to detach from the situation and get away from it emotionally to be able to see what they're doing and why they're doing it. And, you know, I, I could go down the route, like you said, and just blame them. But at the end of the day, I think as a leader, you have to be really good at explaining why certain things are happening. Because when you don't explain the why behind anything, you just leave it up to interpretation. And that's when rumors start flowing. And, and whenever you tell people, I, I can give you a perfect, perfect example. 
Um, the, uh, my volunteer company that I work for right now, uh, we just made the transition. We were still running uh, the triple air uh, hose load. Triple load, yeah. Yeah, right. and we just recently switched to the Minuteman. And from my understanding, before I ever got there, it was like this big undertaking. Anytime hose loads got brought up, like people were about to fight in the parking lot. And once we were able to just explain to people like why, like, first of all, do you even understand where the triple air load came from? Right. Like, well, no. Okay. Well, actually it was developed, I think by the air force, right. For, for tarmacs, long, straight stretches. Like we live in like suburbia, if you will. And there's neighborhoods and people like lawn ornaments and we have short offsets. Like that doesn't really work that well. And we could run down the line of the past few fires we've had where we've deployed that uh, triple air and we can show you why it doesn't work, right? Yep. And once you show people and they can understand why, like now they're on board, right? Now we're swapping with no problems whatsoever. And so that that's just translatable to anything in the firehouse, right? Like, oh, hey, um, you're having to travel out of the firehouse today. Well, a lot of people don't like to do that. They don't like to go move all their stuff from a different station. And if you don't tell them why, they could end up thinking it's just because you don't want them there for the day. And, you know, that's just a small example, but you just have to be able to explain that. You, you bring up a very good point because the why is always the issue today. No, mm. they're always asking why, right? Or why, why, why? But everybody's asking why these days. And it's because we want to be educated. We want to be brought in. We want to be a part of the conversation. We don't like to be spoken to. We like to be, you know, we, we like to have conversation. And so the problem is, though, people shy away from the why when they don't know why. Mm. So when you're spitting doctrine and you're spitting rules and you're spitting this and that, and somebody looks at you and goes, yeah, but why? If you don't have the answer or you're feeling threatened, you're only going to feel threatened and challenged when you don't know the answer. If you know the answer, answer and can articulate a reason behind the decision or the idea or whatever you're changing the hose load, why? If we can't articulate a good point of view or understanding of why we want to do that, that's where the struggle is. It's the people that are standing on their, you know, their stone monument. They're standing up on the hilltop screaming to the masses below about this is why or here we're doing this. And the people are asking why. And you're as the leader that's telling everybody this is what we're going to do. Doesn't really have a good idea why. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's when you that's when you start to have incredible friction in the system. Well, and, uh, you know, I told you about Craig Rochelle and he has this phenomenal yeah. podcast all based off the why. And I might get mm. some of these wrong, but he has certain things of, of what the why does, right? And uh, it's, it first and foremost for me, it disarms the critics, right? So you have the people that are outspoken against you. Once you can like explain that. to them why, their ammo is gone. Then, and it forms, it informs the people that are on the line, right? They're kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to do it, but I also don't really want to do it or I do want to do it. They're just on the fence. And you inform yep. those people yep. uh, to get them on, on your side, if you will. And then the people that could care less, like, you're just like, hey, it just gives them the, the, the validation. Like, this is why we're doing this. And they're just like, all right, we're, we're, we're on board. And so if you can articulate that, like you said, uh, and explain to people why. And, and remember that pe some people might not know why. They, they might not have any clue. And it's just good practice, in my opinion, to explain to that. And I like to tell people, like, if, 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 if people are asking me questions personally, I tell them, like, this can get nerdy if you want it to. Or if you just want me to just tell you the basic answer, we can. But this can get pretty nerdy. And, this, uh, is that, why I, this is why I love surrounding myself with smart people because I'm not a smart guy. 
right? I'm a, I'm literally a dumb fireman, right? And for me, I'm not a big, I, I don't go out and seek, and this was going to be part of the leadership conversation that I wanted to have with you. I don't go out and seek a lot of different pod. There's probably two other podcasts that I listen to on, say, the regular, and they're both have nothing to do with the fire service. They don't have anything to do with leadership. One's an entrepreneurial one, and one is Rogan, because I just love zoning out for three hours on long car rides, listening to bullshit conversations about things that I know nothing about. I'm not a big seeking leadership guy. I don't read a lot of leadership books. I don't listen to leadership podcasts. I don't, I don't do any of that. And I think it's partly because I feel like it's going to cloud my own decision-making. I know that a lot of what I talk about are my ideas that I've formed over time through my work experience, through the firehouse, through family. And I've been able to put together all these ideas. The program I do, the bridging the gap program is, is literally a hundred percent mine. Like I didn't st- there. I take it back. 95% mine There's probably 5% that I've stolen or used from something that I saw that, that let me build onto it. Right. But I don't like to cloud myself with everybody else's ideas. And then I sit here today and you just gave me those three tenants of uh, Craig Rochelle's, podcast and in the why and i sit here and i go man that's really art disarms the critics like i love that line right there huge and that's why i love smart people and 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 doing this podcast because you just brought me his podcast here educates me and it it gave me a more articulate dressed up way to put into speech what i feel and think Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. And, yeah, no and that is why. So what? So I guess in a long winded roundabout way, what then fuels you to go out and seek all this external knowledge for yourself? Because it takes it takes time. It takes commitment. So was there a moment where you weren't a student at one time and then something happened that brought you along? And now you found that, hey, I have found that if I put these things into my daily life, life gets better. And if life's getting better, I want to pursue more of that. Is that part of the conversation? Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm really glad you, you said that. And because, uh, and I, I went through a struggle is I, I never really wanted to be a fireman growing up. Mm. That was never on my radar. And, you know, I've had conversations and I think maybe subconsciously I was influenced by family members. I have several family members that were, uh, you know, uh, firemen and in the service, uh, public service arena, if you will. You know, my parents weren't, and I was never really influenced by that. And so realistically, I just wanted to be a teacher, and I wanted to be a coach. I was a big baseball guy, and I loved baseball and uh, football. But that, you saying that right there, I don't mean to cut you off, but you saying that right there tells me everything. Mm. Teacher and coach, it's the same job. Right. And firefighter is teacher and coach. It all makes sense. I have learned that since then. I didn't know that. I haven't put that together. I'm, I'm glad someone else has related that because since then it just makes sense of where I am now. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I, uh, you know, I grew up in a, a smaller community in East Texas in the Cedar Creek Lake area. If anyone wants to know where that is, I think that they're most popular for the meth that they make. Uh, but uh, no, I, and, and I started. Uh, that is that on the travel brochures? 100 Most known for it. <laughs> I think people call it Speeder Creek, matter of fact. Speeder but. Creek, I love it. I'll make <laughs> but, sure I put that on the next family trip, man. Yeah, absolutely, you should. Um, mm. No, um, So I started volunteering in a, a, a smaller volunteer department, and I wanted to give them a shout-out. Payne Springs Fire Rescue, those guys are phenomenal. 
And cool. uh, Chief Adam Robinson over there, Captain Brandon Cotton. I think he's a captain now, Hilton Brown. Me and Hilton actually went to our first house fire together. And that Love was about, it. you know, 10 years ago at this point. And so it was Love awesome. It. Uh, and those guys, for, for a volunteer company around here, like I've, I've heard and I've talked to a few guys from up in like the Northeast area, like sure. those volunteer companies and most of the volunteer companies we have down here, they don't compare. And so it's rare to find one that is such into the job. They don't get paid a single dime. Like I mentioned, I'm a volunteer here in the town I live for, and I get paid per call, and we're on call at nighttime that I get paid for. And so those guys are plumbers, and they're workers, and you know, yeah, they, they go do yeah. other things, and, and, mm-hmm. and they're volunteers uh, when they get home. So I started there, and I tried my butt off at first to get hired on with the fire department. And that was after, I guess I should go back. I did actually try to go be a teacher and a coach. Uh, I went to one year of real college and was like, not for you. No, it's not for me. So yeah, I was like, what can I do now? And uh, that's when really I looked, I had a friend going through uh, EMT school. So I went with him. He's like, Hey, next semester I'm going through paramedic or uh, fire Academy. I'm like, sure, I'll do it. And went through it. And so I tried my butt off to get hired on a fire department and trials and tribulations. And it just never worked. And I ended up working private EMS. And uh, I don't know about private EMS, uh, where you're from, but it's not very good here. And it's not it's, glorious. By no, any means. it's a terrible lifestyle. And I was very burnt out. I was working yeah. a ton. Uh, I had gained a lot of weight at my heaviest. I think I was, and, and I'm five, eight. I know you can't see on camera, but I'm short. You're, I, I, I don't take, you're a little guy. Like you're not a big guy. I can just tell from your frame. Like yeah, you're not I, a I'm big a short guy. guy. Yeah. I'm a short right. guy. And I weighed uh, 275 pounds at my heaviest. Wow. And so I was a walking bowling ball. And uh, <laughs> through one reason or another, you know, I, 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 uh, I was just like, this is not where I want to be at, you know. And uh, I ran into a friend at the hospital, and he's, he's worked for the first fire department, first full-time fire department that I worked for. And he's like, hey, we're hiring right now. And I was like, all right. And he says, send me an application. And um, I go. And I'm like, well, I'll just fill it out. And I had to hand deliver it. It wasn't an electronic one. And uh, the next day, I was on call through the private EMS, and I got sent out to the same town that that fire department works at. Mm. I'm like, that's not a coincidence. Yeah, I'm listening, cool. God. Yep, I dropped yep. that application off. And uh, a little untraditional uh, hiring process for that department. Um, but I had a meeting with the chief, and next thing I know, I'm working there. Great. So uh, I worked there for about a year. And uh, thankfully, through some influence, um, you know, I mentioned Captain Brandon Cotton. He also sells fire trucks for Pierce. And uh, he was telling me all about Longview and uh, actually was telling me a lot about uh, Battalion Chief John Johnson that you just had on talking about the fire conference. I love that guy. Yeah. And uh, he was like, man, you need to get to Longview and you need to go work for that guy. And I'm like, "Ah, Mm. I don't know. Like, I'm kind of comfortable here. He's like, I'm telling you. And so uh, that whole process right there really set me on the road to where I am today. I had, um, when I got hired at at the first department I worked for, I started to kind of pick up the pace a little bit through, I was always a big um, Joe Rogan fan, just like yourself. And I think he had on Jocko and I'm like exposed to Jocko now. So I read his book, Extreme Ownership. And still to this day is one of the most influential books in my life. And that changed my life. And so mm. I've lost about 70 pounds now. Uh, I ran a half marathon last year, which is absolutely crazy for me. Congratulations. You know who I That's am. cool. And nice. uh, 
yeah, I ended up getting hired, like, as fate would have it, I ended up getting hired at, at the department I work for now in Longview and was under uh, Battalion Chief John Johnson for the last three years now. So that's kind that's of awesome. what got me here. It's a great story. Three years in Longview, 10 years in the fire service. 10 years is that pivotal spot, I think. It's well, like you know enough, but you're still learning. You're, you have uh, a, a, a reputation now. You, people know who you are. You're, you're structured. You're settled. You're comfortable. Yet you have the ability to influence young and influence old. Right. It's, it's a unique spot. Well, and I think the like you kind of said it. And so that 10 years is, and when I, I don't tell people 10 years, right? Because for me, I have been in the fire service for three years because it's the okay. fire service that I know now. Everything I did I before then, I was very uh, not educated. I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I almost don't count those. It counts. Part of the process though. Yeah. And it does. And it, it helps a lot with recognition and your subconscious yeah. brain and everything like that. But three years of what I'm doing at this point. And okay. I, uh, I've actually had this thought for a while now and I'll, I'll, I'll have, um, I'll drop his name on here. And, uh, my good friend, Brad Conrado, he was, we were talking and I was getting ready to do a podcast with, uh, Joshua Chase. And if you don't have him on your podcast, you definitely should. Cause he's phenomenal. Um, Joshua Chase. Yeah. Lieutenant Joshua Chase. He's an author. He wrote, uh, jump seat leadership and he's got a couple other books. Okay. Um, and one of the questions we were talking about, he spent like 15 years as a tailboard fireman before he promoted. And at least in my area, those guys are few and far between. The guys that I would consider a senior man. Right. And I, I don't want this to be taken out of context, but it, it's a, the reality for, for what we're in right now is there's guys with my tenure at my department, so three years, having to step into that role of a mentor and, and I'll throw up air quotes, senior man for the department because we, you know, through whatever reason, I, I don't know what it was, COVID or whatever, but we, we did, we had a max exodus of those yeah. midterm firemen, those 10 to 15 year firemen. Yeah. And so we're, uh, I, I've been like meditating on this a while and it's just like, how do guys like myself and other guys with a, in the three to five, the three to eight range, really feel comfortable even stepping into that role as once again air quotes the senior man right and it's a very tricky process and it, it's something that i've thought about for quite some time now uh and i don't have it figured out yet but it's just a pondering thought well come on go deeper than that man give me something on this you said you've been meditating on it i mean <laughs> this is something that you're living like come on go yeah, a little and deeper so I, like once again and i know i know it's, it's just going to go right back to it in my opinion, it just comes into uh, leadership. And leadership is this all-encompassing umbrella, right? It's massive. all these different facets of leadership. Mm -hmm. And one of the main things that I have seen and uh, learned is it's all about relationships, mm. right? So at my department, uh, I'm going to tell a funny story. At my department, um, we run EMS. We run our own ambulance services. And so we do. We share ride time, engine, truck, medic, whatever you're on for the day. And one of my favorite things is uh, riding with an FTO that's got a guy he's, he's teaching in the back seat. And I love being able to build a relationship with that guy because up until then, he's probably worked for us for two years maybe. 
had a decent time to build a relationship with them, and then for me to just absolutely tear them down <laughs> while the FTO is building them up, right? right. It, right? It's a process, and it's not malicious whatsoever. It's all out of love. I got it. And so uh, we ran a call a couple shifts ago, and I called the dude up front to the, the little jump window in the ambulance, and I look at him like, are you going to do your job today? And it's just that simple. He's like, just hangs his head, right? And then, like, now we get back to the station, and the FTO's over there building him up. It's our version of good cop, bad cop. But I love it. it's all relationships, right? Like, I'm able to have that conversation with him and be a mentor to him and teach him things because I have dedicated the time to set aside through. That's it. Yeah, and it's just relationship building, realistically. And uh, But I think that's a big part of what's lacking more so today than ever is the amount of time being put in to learn one another and to get to know one another so that we can get to that next level so that when we can have those hard conversations, it's a little, little easier to have them because on the back end of that is compassion and kindness um, and caring. And when you, when you don't care about the people that you're riding backwards with, you don't care about the people teching for you while you're driving or the, the guy in the front seat. Like if, when, if we don't personally care about these people, we're going to fail. Absolutely. Like you, and, you have to have buy-in to one another. And it doesn't mean that you have to invite the guy over for dinner. It doesn't mean that you're going to have picnics with the guy. Mm-hmm. But what it does mean is you have to have some level of mutual respect. It doesn't have to be on the spectrum of, like, he's the best guy in the world. But there has to be some type of mutual back and forth so that there's a mutual respect for one another that we can progress the job forward by having the difficult conversations because you know I've invested enough time into you that I'm allowed to say this to you. It doesn't mean you're my best friend. I don't need you to be my best friend. In fact, I don't need you to be a good friend. But you need to be an an acquaintance, somebody I know, somebody I know about, and that I've bought into to at least allow him in so that I can give him my opinions and my beliefs when the time comes. Yep, and... You know, if anyone's curious, how do we build relationships? Yeah. Get people to talk about themselves. That was the best mm. piece of advice I've ever get, been given. It's people love talking about themselves. Look look at what we're doing right now, the podcast, right? Like yeah. uh, everything. Everyone loves to talk about themselves. And so um, whenever we get that, people can walk away from a conversation and me say absolutely nothing and be like, that's the best guy I've ever met before. But all I did was ask him about his life, right? People love doing mm-hmm. that. And so that's where it just has to start. And, you know, as, as I've pondered this whole thought of, like, the, the less tenured guy stepping into a senior guy role, it's based right. off, first of all, relationships, right? And then you have to be able to gain the influence with the people that are the same tenured for you or even uh, or same tenured as you and even the guys a little bit above you, right? Because now we're talking about a three-year guy teaching a new guy something and that six-year guy looking at me being like who is this guy and why is he opening his mouth right now right yeah but is he stepping up right right like that's the thing there's something to it there's something to it yeah and i I like to play both sides of it but because of that not only do i have to build relationships with people below me but i have to build relationships with the guys above me 100 percent gain influence right and i Mm -hmm. with the guys above me how i do that is just through job performance right like if you're not going to trust me any other way, I'm going to show you that I know how to do my job, whether it be something as simple as stretching a hose or going through a lock on a fire alarm or something like that. Like, I want you to be able to see through my skills that I'm a competent individual, and that's how that relationship is built. And I may or may not have been successful at it so far. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Listen, we have good days and bad days, right? But I was going to say seniority's on paper. Senior man is chosen. Right. 
And, and I so, just, oh man, that was so good. I talked to a guy yesterday, and he said, if if you're walking around claiming that you're a senior yeah, man, he's like, chances are you need to go look in the mirror. And I was like, that's enough. That's enough. it's very, it's very, very true when when that is said, right? And and I think that you know when the new guys are coming to the three year man, it's because they have you have put the time in and demonstrated on the fire ground as well as in the firehouse that you're the guy that they're comfortable enough to come talk to and to want to learn from. Mm-hmm. And maybe the older guys, and now I'm not saying you in particular, cause I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in general, and maybe guys with a few more years than the three year guy, when they're looking and going, why is he the guy doing this? Maybe they need to look in the mirror for a second and say, why am I not the guy doing this? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not putting the time in. Maybe they're not, you know, making themselves available enough to the new kid to help teach and train and, and learn them. And, and they're not putting that time in. Yeah. And, and when somebody does, it speaks volumes. And before you know it, over time, the other guys become inconsequential to the, to the future development of those young kids because they haven't put the time in to be there for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's enough right there for that. I mean, like, that's, Are we that's done what then? I'm struggling through. <laughs> that, like, you, you finished that whole conversation. <laughs> I didn't mean to, man. No, it's and, just, and that was great. I have... I have so many opinions about this stuff because I have these con- – like you will, right? So the podcast is pretty new, mm-hmm. right? But you – and I, I want to get to that. But before we fast forward, you know, I have these conversations all the time. I'm the luckiest guy in the American Fire Service, man. I get to talk to the best and the worst, and I talk to everybody in between. And I absolutely love and cherish every single conversation because I take something away from all of them. And as I do that, I get to form my own opinions and ideas. And this is what I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. It's through my interactions. And I think that that's important. And it allows me to then have these conversations and, and finish sentences. So I apologize if I'm uh, capitalizing on this you know, episode and, and speaking my points of view. But I think you have, you have a very like, uh, genuine way about you. And I can tell, though, that that's probably where this podcast comes from. It's probably to help you learn along the way too, I would assume. Absolutely. And that's 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 what I tell everyone is I have selfish reasons for for this podcast. Oh, me too, bro. Yeah, you have to talk to You have to. Yeah. And so far, like I've had some great people. Like great, great people. Hasn't disappointed, right? Yeah. And I have learned a lot and I tell people that like selfishly, I'm getting to build relationships with people. I'm getting to talk with people. I have people's yes. numbers now that I've never imagined that I would. Um, yeah. And then I'm getting to learn. Right. Like I try not to take notes during my podcast, but I go back and watch them. Right. I had um, Adam Haywood, who's uh, out of Colorado, and he his, his whole thing, his niche is uh, through the lock stuff. And that mm-hmm. dude gave me some pointers that have already capitalized on. Right. And so nice. like, I went back and like actually used it. Uh, Rob Ramirez. Right. Like have his phone number. He's been sending me books and people to have on the show and everything like. That stuff is just yeah, Rob's a great mind. guy. I had him on the show a while back, and I really enjoyed my time with him. He was, he was a standout for sure. Phenomenal. And so yeah. I, uh, I did not start Tailboard Misfits. So I, um, I was all gifted it. I don't know how to, how to say that. My, my good friend Gunnar Michelli, he's a, he's a Marine, works for Longview. Uh, been there roughly the same amount of time I did. He started TBM. Um, mm-hmm. He started TBM as a clothing company, and he had a podcast to support it. And right. he is a great guy. He did some great stuff in the military. And he started talking to a lot of people that were more military background. And so he actually ran into the problem where he was like, people are asking me, like, what is a tailboard? And he was like, 
So he wasn't really having fire-related conversations. And right. uh, just through our relationship, he realized like how passionate I was. And I was on his podcast, and uh, he asked me to take it over. I told him, I was like, man, I don't know that I, I have the time to dedicate to that at this point. You know, I'm, I'm married. I have three children, and they're all young. And, uh, you know, I'll throw a shameless plug out there. You know, our department had, like, a Super Bowl fire for us and a uh, two-story apartment fire, and we had three grabs come out of it. and. Mm. Um, just a phenomenal job by the guys that were there. And, you know, I, I told them we, we did a podcast over that. And that's what that's what projected me or, you know, forced me into the, into the podcast is like, I want to highlight what these guys did. Right. Yeah. And so when I took it over, I defined what I wanted my mission, vision and values for the for TBM to be. And for me, it's just through shared experiences. Right. Which is exactly what I'm trying to do here. And then shared not like knowledge sharing. Right. So people can learn from. And I tell people this, and I mean it. If one person watches my podcast and takes one thing away from that, that maybe they learn from or they, so they don't do what I did or what the guest I have on did, like, that's a win in my books. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, loving what it, I'm loving the way it's happening and everything that's coming along with it. I've realized that social media is brutal. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to read the comments anymore. So. Um. Yeah, I, I, you know, listen, everybody's got comments, right? It's just like the firehouse, just like in, in your personal life, right? Here's the thing. And, and, you know, if anybody has navigated this space, it's me. I promise you that. Um, you know, and ultimately, like, there's always going to be the talkers. And don't ever sacrifice your mission or what you want or what you want to do because of what other people are saying. Mm. What I would say is this, hold, remain, you know, remain true. Remain and, and stay in touch with the values that drive you of who you are. And if you truly believe that what you're doing is making a difference, whether it's just for yourself or those positive feedbacks, lift those positive messages up and the other ones, who cares? Yeah. Like literally, who cares? Right? And and I've gotten to that point. And it's it's actually now I'm I'm complete like flopped on it that I absolutely I, I get fueled by the shit talkers. Cause I mean, when you think about it, I'm putting content out regularly, just me and my points of view. You want to talk about painting a target, mm. right? I put a massive target on me, but you know what these guys don't do? They don't come up to me in person and say anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and that's the thing, man. And it's like, uh, yeah, I, it's not worth it. No. What you're doing is working for you. And if you're sharing a positive message and you're shining a light and creating conversation about the fire service and it's not detrimental, you're not shit talking to fire service, you're not putting out tactics that are unsound or talking about things that will put somebody in a bad position, then you are promoting this job. And as you promote this job through your podcast, keep that in mind mm. that you're doing the right thing. And it's just like being in a shitty fire company and being the all star in that fire company. Don't ever sacrifice your morals and values for somebody else. Stay true to the mission. Stay true to who you are, and you will win every time. Yep. And That's I love, it. Uh, you actually had a podcast that you guys were talking about, it, and it's something that I'll highlight for myself, and it's about staying in your lane, right? I don't yeah, know who you 100%. Was, but, yeah, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> the, uh, the stay in your lane, thing, like you will never, aside from the fire station, right? Aside from the fire station, when I'm on a podcast, you will never hear me talk to you about tactics, <laughs> I'm a three-year guy at my department, and, and that's because, like, who are you to listen to me? And now I will get into a conversation about tactics with my guest, right, just to sure. pull. But, like, you'll never hear, like, 
we need to be doing this, this, and this for me. So uh, just throwing that out there. I think that that is a very important um, thing. The other thing, too, that I would throw there would be that you have to be completely transparent and honest with your with your community. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to share everything about you, but your community has to come to believe and trust in you as an individual. And if and it's not even trust in you as a firefighter. They need to trust because we all know, like literally if you're if you're squared away, like if you have your shit together. Chances are you have your shit together in the firehouse, right? And I'm not the I'm not the world's best firefighter. I'm not the world's best husband or father. I have faults, and so I talk about them. And I talk about my goods and my bads. And I, I just have an honest conversation, which I think is super important because that's where you get buy-in from people. People want to talk to authentic people. And when you have a, 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 an alternative mission or you have something that you're not being fully honest and transparent about – it comes through, and as soon as people catch on to that, you're done. Mm. And I think that's what our longevity is with what we've been doing and how we have steadily built this and scaled this. It's because no matter what, I will not sacrifice that mission. It's about being honest and transparent and, yeah. and being true to the community, and, and that's where you need to be. And I, I think that's what needs to push us forward as a fire service and not just not just society but also in the fire service, 100%. Absolutely agree, and, and- – not only for yourself, but the, the circle of people that you have around you uh, makes a big difference in those in those moments, uh, you know, with mentors and leaders in your life. Like you got to have those people. You do. Um, and it's it's hard. I'm going to be honest with you, like for me, and this is full candid. This, this is what I'm talking about. Transparency is like I don't have a list of like incredible mentors. Mm. Like I don't there's people I um, I value to the umph degree like there's no doubt but i don't have i have two or three friends that are my sounding board that are um in the fire service or remove or have since moved on from the fire service but those those guys are the ones that i can literally just have conversation with about anything and everything where we talk about family where i talk about work where i talk about this all of it right but I don't have, like, I don't, I don't, do you have, like, specific mentors that, like, you, you know, I'm not asking you to name them, but I'm saying, like, do you have one, two, three guys that, like, you know were in, so important to help create your path? Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. That kind of took me by surprise because I was, I was expecting it to go a different direction, 100%. So not only do I have le- uh, mentors in my life that have, have shaped and gotten me to where I am today, but I also have, uh, and you know, you said you have people of value. Like, I also have people mm. like that for my personal life. Yeah, hundred percent. And some of them to. are, um, some of them are both. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'll get made fun of this because it is what it is. But uh, m- one of my best friends, his name is Brad Conrado. He's a driver. We were on the same crew for a while. Our wives like are like this weird, yeah. disgusting best friend mm-hmm. mix, and uh, sure. they. Um, he, he, he's one of those guys for me that is a personal mentor to my life, spiritually, physically, mentally, as well as in the firehouse, because he's a phenomenal fireman. Uh, Battalion Chief John Johnson, who you had, uh, great guy. I owe a lot to him. Like He has taught me almost everything that I know about the fire service. He is the best natural leader that I've ever met before. He's a guy that wow. doesn't read leadership books, and he doesn't listen to leadership podcasts, but yeah, it's just natural to him. And That's it's me. Phenomenal, <laughs> what he's been able to yeah. do. Um, and then, 
you know, I, I have guys that I can go to now for certain different aspects of the job. Like, um, sure. um, I exchange phone numbers with uh, Chief Kyle Romagus from Montgomery County in, in Texas. And if I have a question about engine company stuff, I could shoot him a text. And he, he's sure. typically pretty good at responding. Now, with the relationship with Rob Ramirez, if I have a question about resiliency, psychology, writ, mayday, anything like that, I could shoot him a text message. And so, like, I, I, I wouldn't say that I have, like, uh, a widespread of mentors yet. I would like that. And that's just through relationships. But more or less, I just have this core group of people that really, as I've grown and gotten older, like, they're, they're in both facets. Like, uh, the fire service and my personal life, they just kind of coincide together. How much do you value your own knowledge and abilities? I talked about this the other day. I did a post, and um, I was just curious, but, like, um, I think people are always constantly seeking, and this was the part of the leadership conversation that where I wanted to take this. So I'm kind of glad it came up this way. I feel that sometimes guys get lost in constantly seeking validation or outside and external thoughts and views to make it their own instead of finding their own way sometimes. And I, I think that I'm trying to craft this narrative because it's something that I really want to explore in one of my programs is I want to talk about trusting your gut and trusting your own experience and, and making yourself available to learn from your mistakes and learn from what you do. And today, more than ever, people are afraid to make mistakes. They're constantly seeking validation. And when we're constantly seeking validation, we're not willing to put ourselves out there enough in case we get smacked and, and have to take a step back. And that's part of the process. And I think that when we're constantly seeking external sources of information, we sometimes don't value our own. We're overvaluing other people's thoughts and ideas and things that they've crafted that probably they've crafted through their own mistakes and their own processes. And I feel like today with the immediacy of society, we're not willing to make as many mistakes as those that came before us. And so we're just seeking shortcuts. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in let me get the cliff notes from somebody else, apply it to my life so I don't make that mistake. But do you truly learn then from mistakes that are not being made? That's a good question. And I, uh, I've, I've thought about that before because the, I took a class, uh, nozzle forward with Aaron fields and he made a comment. Yeah, absolutely. He said, uh, nothing is new and original. So quit trying to be new and original and just be good. Mm. Right. Right. And so while I personally do, uh, explore like the, the leadership aspect of it. Right. And I think it would be almost, uh, ignorant of myself to not do that, to not go learn from the guys that have been in that position. Right? And I think about it the same way from the fire service, right? If I can talk to a guy that's been to 300 fires versus a guy that's been to 30,000 fires, which one do I want to talk to? Right. Someone 100%. that's been there. I get it. And so I, get it. I, uh, I don't, and I get that this is, it's kind of a weird situation but can, because I don't, but he can explain, he can explain how to go down that hallway, but until you do it, right. You haven't experienced. Okay, it. now I see where we're going to this. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with what you're saying. And so, if it's okay for me to take these uh, ideas or these things that have worked for other people, but sure. you have to eventually take the step forward. Yes. And do you got to take the leap because I have learned stuff through leadership and through through fire classes and everything like that that I've tried to do on my own, and it's it's just not this uh, one size fits all thing. And and this is what I'm most worried about. I'm most worried about 
a culture today where we want to learn as much as we can from everybody around us so it just makes me a little bit better, and yet you haven't done it yourself. We need to create an environment that gives them the ability to go do. Take what you've learned. Go listen to podcasts. Go, go listen to Tailboard you know, Misfits. Go listen to National Fire Radio. Go listen to Corley Moore. Do, do your due diligence. Go learn. Go read books. Go read training journals. I agree with all that. Knowledge is super important, but that doesn't excuse you from going to do it yourself. And I'm worried that we're creating an environment where people are becoming quote-unquote experts or people are, are assuming they know more than they do, and yet they've never done. Right. And that scares the shit out of me, and I see it all the time with people that talk about it. And so what I wanted to say to you about leadership was we have so – I've never seen – so many people seeking or wanting information on leadership than I have today. Like there weren't World War II, Vietnam. There were not all these. I mean, there's there's books on on worship and leadership and all these things, but people didn't seek it like they seek it today. Like people just want to be told and understand how to lead. And I think that that cheapens the whole experience side of it, that to become a good leader you have to have experience. Mm -hmm. You have to be hands-on. You have to form your own opinions and ideas. And I think this is why I don't seek external information like so many people do. It's because I want to form my own understanding and abilities. And I don't mean to, like, go off on a soapbox here. I'm, like, ranting right now. But this is important. And I think that this topic needs to be explored a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I think people have to understand that. Go seek information. But until you do, you haven't done. That's perfectly said. You, I, you, that's, that's one reason that you will never hear me talk about leadership from a company officer standpoint because I haven't done it. Mm. I could tell right. you what I think needs to be done. I can tell you what right. I think I will do when I get to that point, but you won't hear me talk about it. I will talk about leadership principles and the things that I have actually done this, to, to be effective, right? Yes. Uh, I told yes. You, this is a perfect example, Jeremy. Uh, Craig Rochelle has a quote, and he says, uh, if you're willing to do what others won't, you'll gain influence that others don't have. And so what does that look mm -hmm. like for me in my life? That means like I'm getting the dirty jobs at the fire station. I'm doing the things that other people aren't exactly jumping to do. I'm doing things for my company officer that, that maybe they don't want to do, that I could take care of them and take it off their plate for them. And what does that do? It gives me influence with my company but, officer. But can I ask you a question with all that packaged up? Would you have still done it if Craig Rochelle, if you never heard that on his channel? That's a good question. I, I would like to think like, that do I you would inherently, have. but I think you do. Like, I think people inherently have those skills, traits, and abilities, and you contribute it to like, oh, he said this, so I do that. But you probably would have done it anyway. And I, I want people. That's the part, brother. Like, that's the part that I want people to understand is like, it's maybe that influenced you, but maybe you already have it. Mm. And, and I want people to go find what they already have. I mean, it's one thing to, to go and listen and educate, right? I don't go to high-rise fires. It's very, very in between that I'm going to fires more than two stories, right? And we're a residential community. We have some mid-rise uh, three, four-story, but we have nothing high. But I'd love to educate myself about stretching a line down the ninth story and having a window fail and understanding why the fire curtain and the floor below nozzle, all this shit, right? I'm never going to experience that in my career. But I would love to educate myself about that, and I won't have practical experience because I don't have the opportunities to do that. 
But being the guy in the trenches that's willing to do the shitty jobs, that's willing to stand out and be a leader, that's willing to go out onto the apron at the firehouse and give directions to an old lady that's lost, I don't think you need a podcast to tell you that. Mm-mm. And I, I, that's what I want guys to understand is like, I can appreciate the starving for wisdom and knowledge and experience from other people, but go experience it yourself. You have it within you. Guys need to understand that, that they have it inside them. I really believe that. And they cheapen it for their own experience because they're seeking it elsewhere and letting somebody else tell them that it's okay for you to go do that when you should just go do it. Well, do you think, I believe that, brother. Do you think that, uh, th- th- along those exact same lines, do you think that there's people out there, uh, specifically younger guys, uh, younger in age guys, that, that might have it in them but need to know and be informed that it's okay for them to do that? 100%. 100%. And that's the validation they're seeking. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the firehouse years ago, the validation came from within. It was that... That guy that just glanced over at him and gave him a head nod. It's the, it's the, it's the boss that at the end of the fire walked up behind him and said, uh, great job today, brother, and just kept walking. They valued that. That validation just sets all the bells off, right? And you go, holy shit, like, yeah, I crushed it today, right? I did it. I'm doing it right. I'm mopping the floor right. I'm cleaning the truck. Meal was good, right? The, 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 we kicked the shit out of the fire. I was a backup man. I was a nozzle man. Whatever it is. That's where we used to get our validation. The problem is guys aren't putting the work in anymore. We don't value that validation level in the firehouse like we used to. And so now guys are seeking it externally. But the problem is, is as we're seeking validation and it doesn't come from within, it now is very broad stroke. And it's like, well, I'm seeking validation for this. Now I'm seeking validation for this. Now I'm seeking validation for this. So instead of doing or taking risk, because it takes risk. You and in the fire service, and this is what I think one of the big things that's changing in the fire service is we need to let people know it's okay to do their job. Like if we're training you properly, you should be able to get out on the fire ground and go to work. But we have we have incompetent managers, fire officers, lieutenants, captains, chiefs, battalions, whatever it is. We have guys that lack their own credibility and experience, and so they're never going to let their people work. And when you don't let people work, they're going to go seek validation elsewhere. That's why good firehouses have good firemen. Shitty firehouses with shitty cultures have shitty firemen. That's it. Yep. That's it. Yep. But we can't create an environment where people are constantly seeking validation because at the end of the day, you're not going to do your job. Is somebody going to take a risk? The new guy goes to the rear, and he's, he's got to make that decision. Do I break glass? Do I not break glass? Do I throw a ladder here, or do I throw a ladder here? Now, every other time he's had to do that, somebody was standing next to him and told him how to do it and didn't let him do it for himself. Now, all of a sudden, it's time to make a decision. Have we given him the foundation? Probably not, because if the boss was always there micromanaging every goddamn decision on the fire ground, now he's got to make that decision for himself. And then if he makes the wrong decision, we're going to castrate him. Mm-hmm. We're going to hang this guy up, string him up, and be like, you should know better. Meanwhile, you look at him and go, you never fucking told me. You never showed me. You never guided me. You only told me. You never showed me. That's a big difference, man. And I think that that's part of the problem of today. And so, yes. Go seek external knowledge and and go seek other people's experience. But you have to experience it yourself and believe that you have it within you. You do, man. 
you do. The fire department has one responsibility. One responsibility, John, and that's to train you and teach you to be able to make decisions when you need to make decisions. Then why are we second guessing every time our people are going to make a decision? The thing with it is, is that uh, a lot of times whenever our leaders are doing that, our company officers are doing that, and they're, they're second guessing what their guys are doing, it's probably because in their, in, in their subconscious they know that they haven't spent the amount of time they needed to. to You're damn them. right. You're damn right. It's insecurity, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And so all I want to do is challenge people. I'm sorry for this rant, man. Like this is, but I, if I get an opportunity to go, I go. Yeah. And all I'm saying is this, believe in yourself, believe in what you've been taught. And if you feel that you haven't been trained to the level that you should be at to make decisions that could potentially be a life or death situation where you need to make a decision. If you feel that you're not qualified to make that decision, then go seek every single thing you need to put yourself in that decision making, right? But don't devalue your own thoughts, opinions, and experience. That all matters. And when you package all that up, three years, John, or 29 years, which I am, when you package all that up, it makes you who you are. Don't overvalue somebody else's ideas, thoughts, and experiences. You can appreciate them for what they are. It's their experience. It's their knowledge. But you need to learn it yourself. And so don't devalue your own. Make your information that you determined, your experience, your knowledge, make that yours and own it. That's what matters, bro. I love that. I love that. I love what you just said. There were several different scenarios that just played through my head. Yeah. Uh, It was great. I love that. Uh, just a That's little affirmation about. for exactly what you're saying. And I'll, I'll go back to that, the, the fire that I was talking about just a few minutes ago. Uh, those guys obviously uh, seeked out external training for their, for their, uh, for their careers. And they come back and five plus years ago training that they had uh, implemented into their daily training and their stuff, like they're doing that. And it was to the point where these guys were able to analytically talk about what they were feeling when they were searching, right. And how it changed uh, knowing that there were victims inside, now every single thing they touch, they like have to analyze: Is this a body? Is this a person? Right? And they're you know sweeping the bed and doing all these things that they learned five years ago at a class, and it's because they went and they got this information from other people, and they've implemented it into their own training, and now they've made it their own. It's awesome. Yeah. Believe in yourself. That's it. It's a long career, volunteer or a career fireman. It doesn't matter. The job is the job. You're going to go do the job. Mm-hmm. How good do you want to be at it? I love it. Right? Yeah. Matters. So let me ask you this. Tailboard Misfits, talk to me a little bit about the podcast. Tell me, like, um, I know the, the roots of it now, but what do you want to do with it, man? Like, what what's what is it for you? What do you want to get out of it, and what do you want to do with it? Right. And so for me, I enjoy talking shop, just like we're doing today. I could do this mm. for hours, right? Like, Yeah, I can too. No, no That's problem why I got to limit this to an hour, because when I get going, I don't shut I don't shut yeah. up. So it, go ahead, brother. So uh, realistically, I want to give, just like you said, you said you talk to the best, the worst, and everybody in between. And, and that's a great, great way of putting it. And I want to, I don't necessarily want to just talk to these fire service all-stars out there. Like I want to talk to the, the guy that runs a single company house and, you know, responds with one person to a house fire. Uh, and then I want to talk to people that respond to a house fire with five guys on the rig, right? And, and, and everything in between. And I want to be able to, for me personally and selfishly, take anything that I can away from that uh, because I know that I will. And hopefully someone else finds value. And so uh, 
as as it kind of grows a little bit, like we don't have like this massive following. Like I told you about social media. I had a video go viral for me the other day, and it's it's a weird process to go through to someone that doesn't know a lot about social media. Um, and so I, I just want to continue to have like really good guests on there that, that have something to say and something to share and learn what I can from them to be able to build uh, relationships with those guys. Um, I, like I mentioned, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. So now where I'm at now, I love the instructing part of stuff. And um, You're doing it all. Yeah, and I, I want to be able to get out into that arena a little bit. Now, I'm not going to be on the level that you're on, obviously, but I got to start somewhere. So I love that. Hey, John, I started somewhere. Yeah. And it truly is holding to your conviction and working hard at it. And I promise you there's going to be tremendous highs and tremendous lows throughout the process. I mean, we're six years in. And, and I wish I was 100 times ahead of where I am. But I've also come to understand that, you know, scaling is a process. And it's a long game for me. And I want you to believe that. Just like the fire service, man, there's no instant gratification. This is a long-term play. So put in the work. Head down. Work hard. And I promise you, if you do it for the right reasons, it's gratifying, man. Like, I just had an incredible conversation with you today, gotten to meet you, get to know you. I value that more than anything. And that's why I continue to do this. And I meet people, like I said, all over the place. The biggest names in the fire service, the top 1%, top 2%, and they all bring so much value to the fire service. I just want to talk to regular dudes, man. Like, Every, everybody has a story, and I think when you look at it that way, everybody has a story and everybody has their love and hate of the fire service. Let's talk about it. That's it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I think more people can relate to your average Joe guy from average Joe city or township versus that 1% guy that spent his whole career in a big urban fire department. A lot of people can't relate to that. And I'm not saying that they don't bring value. They bring tremendous value. But so do the guys that never have an opportunity to talk. Mm -hmm. And those are the guys that I love talking to because I think some of the best episodes that I've had are with just average dudes just like me who have a passion for the fire service and have something to share. Yep. That's it. Yep. And they so you it, it brings keep a, going, man. It brings a different aspect to everything. And you know, me for myself, I think everyone struggles with it. The Bible says comparison is the thief of joy. And mm. we can't compare ourselves. I I work for a department with eight stations and probably 170 firemen. I'm going to be very disgruntled and unhappy if I'm comparing myself to a fireman from the FDNY, right? Like, I can't compare those guys. I can learn from them and everything, but I can't compare myself. They can learn from you, too. Sure. sure. There's, two, there's, there's a, definitely two sides of the coin to it. So, 100%. And that's what I think everybody gets lost in. Yep. And I want everybody to understand that. And I, I think when one way is usually the main way, I always like to find the other side mm -hmm. of that coin. I love the I love the backside of the coin. Yeah, it's my favorite place to be. Yeah, John Velez, thank you for joining me today, brother. What a great conversation! Thank you of the Tailboard Misfits podcast. You can find them on all the players. John, thanks for joining me, man. What a great conversation today. Truly enjoyed my time. Thanks, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you. And if people want to reach out, where can they find you? They want to get in touch with you. They want to listen to the podcast. I know I said you're on all the players, <laughs> but where's a good place for them to find you? Yeah, so we're pretty active on uh, Instagram or Facebook. It's just Tailboard Misfits. Uh, you can reach out to my personal page, John Velez Jr. If you try to add my dad, he'll probably add you, but he's going to not have any clue of who you are. Uh, and then I'll throw my phone number out there because I've, I've gotten plenty of connections with people just from doing that. Yeah. And it's 903 five three zero six two four zero 
Uh, and I'm probably on my phone too much, so I'll get back to you pretty quickly. I know that feeling, bro. Mm. I know that feeling. John Velez, thanks for joining me today. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you, okay? okay? Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. What a fantastic conversation. I'm getting going today, man. John, let me tear it up a little bit. So, John, thanks for, for giving me a few minutes on the mic, man. I appreciate that. What a fantastic conversation. And that's what this is all about. It's conversation. So take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Because when we're talking about the job, we are making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.